Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the Cultural Radio Show on Mushtar FM 89.6. My name is Sasha Gerda, and every Friday I invite a foreign guest to the studio. Together we try to understand cultural differences and to complete the profile of our guest's country. Are you ready to break stereotypes? Stay with us to find out more and enjoy this conversation. Let's get started! Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the cultural show on Mushtar FM 89.6. And today I have a very, very special guest. Uh, I would describe him as a child of the world. This is what we say usually about the people who uh, have such a rich uh, experience about traveling. Um, this is what we say in Russian. And let me introduce... Shinzan! Hello everyone! Sziasztok! És köszönöm szépen a figyelmet és hallgatóknak a Most FM Nyíregyházán. And I'm so happy to be here. Um, especially me as a Canadian-Hungarian. I'm, I'm, this is a privilege to just be here and talk to Sasha about the world through my eyes and also give her a little bit of an inside depth on how you know the world really works and how crazy it can be and how hectic it can be and how maybe it can be some depressing sometimes. But let's just keep this in a happy mood. I think we've had enough sad situations going yeah. on for the past almost two years. So let's just keep this happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll hand it back to Sasha. And thank you. Thank you for such a warm, you know, greeting. And as you said, there are amazing places in the world and amazing people that we are lucky or unlucky no <laughs> lucky to meet uh, on our way and um, I'm really glad that you're today in our studio to share experiences because when I first heard your name and your background story and you know it's kind of puzzle that I cannot assemble mm, yeah you cannot just like put together yeah, yeah put it together and just understand the whole situation yeah that's a great like way to a, put it something is contradicting there is like so yeah. many uh interesting facts about uh your life and uh you said that your name is uh Japanese name. Yeah, it's a Japanese name. And in Japanese, Shinzon basically means new person or newcomer, which I think really, really resonates with me too, because I'm always moving around and I'm always technically the new kid or a new person or up or like an upcoming kind of thing is a great way to, you know, describe myself as a person too, because I'm always moving from place to place. I'm always becoming a new person. So I think Shinzon is also a curse and also a blessing. <laughs> I would say because even though moving around is extremely stressful and, you know, sometimes it's not the best to just move around. It's nice to just stay in one place. I think it's amazing that, you know, I can be a new person, but also be a member of, let's say, a school or a community or these other things. And I think that really, really resonates with who I am as a person. Is there any short version of your name? Like your friends? Um, many, many people just call me Shin. Shin. They're just like, hey, what's up, Shin? Or what's up, Zan? Or whatever. Just like these weird things. But many people just call me Shinzon, which, you know, I have no problem with. But especially living here in Hungary for some time, it's like, you know, people here are not really used to outside names, especially yeah. like, you know, my name or let's say someone else's name. They're usually just, you know, more concentrated on Balaj or Gabor or yeah. Istvan and all these other things because, you know, that's what they grew up with. But with me especially, it's like I'm just so used to hearing so many different names too that, I, you know, I click really easily with just understanding more about, you know, where people are from and, you know, their names and their background. And, you know, I try to, in, I try to implement myself a little bit into the culture so I can understand them more. But, I'm going to be really honest here. It, it really, really takes a toll on you as a person too, because yeah. it can be so hard to just fit into that part of society too, especially sure. if you're a foreigner. Like in where I was living in Kuwait in the Middle East, um, it was hard to fit in because I was living in Canada for eight years of my life. So you used to live in Canada, then you moved to Kuwait. Kuwait, yeah. And then Bangladesh. And then Hungary. And what is your next destination? I'm going to be living. I'm going to be living in Chengchun, which is in northern China. Okay. <laughs> so I'm completely crazy oh my God. stuff. Holy holy God, man. It's it's insane that, you know, moving around so much 
it's it does take a toll on you because once you make friends and then you talk with them, you you talk on the phone for a little mm-hmm. bit and you know on Discord or whatever whatever people use, <laughs> yeah, you just talk with true. them for a little bit and then slowly and slowly they're you know you just lose contact with them, which is sad. But then you make new friends in a new location, but you kind of forget about the others, which makes me kind of sad because it's like if I had a really good relationship, like friendship going on, and you know I don't talk to this person again, it does make me. Undeniably sad that you know I cannot say hello to this person again. But I think the most important thing, especially for me to help me through my travels, is especially my family because you know your family is always with you. You know yeah, you, sure. you go through struggles together. You overcome different challenges that may be thrown in your face. Um, but I, w- I would say it is really, really hard to move around and then lose friends and then lose people you're really close to in, in countries. Yeah, it is. It is undeniably. Hard and challenging. Can you conclude that at some point in your life you were so frustrated or sad or even maybe depressed that yeah. you you're losing, you're constantly losing contact to people you've just met, and then. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was a little bit depressed when I was living in Bangladesh because Bangladesh is one of the world's poorest countries. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost the entire population live below the poverty line. Um, people are struggling every single day. Many people live less than two dollars a day just wow. to get by. And the other thing that really got me upset was the fact that I could not go anywhere. Really, um, when I first moved there in um, July of 2017, um, it was just a year after the Holy Utterson Bakery attack. Um, that shook the country. Um, and unfortunately, a terrorist group took responsibility for the actions that happened there. And the country was in absolute shambles. Um, there was many people, especially the foreigners, that just straight up packed up and left. Basically, the yeah. next day, they just packed up everything that they had and left the country because it was uncertain. And unfortunately, almost 25 um, foreign nationals passed away because they stormed into the bakery and just started shooting people. And it's another sad thing about, especially with me having Muslim friends. Um, mm-hmm. Most, almost ninety-five percent of my friends are Muslim, and it's so sad to see that the actions of these animals have completely impacted their religion and their way of life. Especially with you know traveling abroad and just saying I'm a Muslim, it's like, oh, you're a terrorist, you're a terrorist. Yeah, sure. It is, is. It is the saddest thing I think I've ever had to experience, especially with friends who go abroad and then they're abused or harassed just for their religion. I mean, I've spent eight years of my life with these people and they're so polite, they're so welcoming. I mean, of course, you're going to get the number of people that are not really nice to you, but, you know, that's everywhere. But majority of the people I was with were really, really welcoming and kind hearted. And they really just like embraced and they were and they were excited to see us, too. It's like, oh, there's people from Canada coming to our country and they they're staying here. And, you know, let's ask them how they think about it. And then you, you know, start to get a little bit of a interaction with the local community and that really makes you feel good and makes you feel special too especially in this kind of situation have you ever been bullied for being a foreigner or for being um i don't know if you're catholic yeah yeah i have i have been bullied especially for being an outsider um especially in kuwait many of my friends and other I mean, basically everyone in the school was in a high 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 ranking position in the government or oh, wow. or with or connections with the royal family of kuwait and many of my and some of my friends were members of the royal family but there was also a point where they would they wouldn't tell you but they would show it it's like okay we're kuwaitis here this is our country you're a foreigner here you need to know your line you need to know your boundary which did make me a bit you know left out of some situations and especially for other people in the school because many people were from the arab world especially in in kuwait too so there was people from um palestine and egypt um, lebanon and syria mm-hmm. and jordan and they came to the school too and even though they speak the same language and they had the same religion kuwaitis still look down on them as you know they're it's like they're kuwaiti they're rich they have everything that they want and then You know, even though these other people have the same religion as us and whatever, they don't have that wealth and that connectivity that we have to the government or to the people or to the country, especially. And it's also kind of funny that maybe some of my friends put the same gas in your car that are my wow. friends. Yeah. And it's the same thing in Bangladesh, too. Probably the clothes that you're wearing. And I know the clothes that I'm wearing were probably made by one of my friend's factories in, in Bangladesh. Wow. So it's interesting that, you know how everything comes into play, like everything connects with each other. And it's 
like, okay, you can be from there and then you come here and then this is what you experience and this is what you bring home with you. Um, but it can also be very, very stressful, um, especially moving around and making friends and, you know, losing them. And then I think the most important thing is like, especially if you grew up like this from when you're a small kid, it's like, mm-hmm. how do I identify myself as? I'm not, do, do I identify myself as Kuwaiti, Bangladeshi or Hungarian or Canadian? It's really hard to choose. Even now, I'm still struggling with it. <laughs> You're <laughs> you know? a child of the world. That's it. Yeah, just like you can change. Yeah, you can choose whatever you want. Like, But be- when it comes down to it, it's like you have to look at the passport and the documentation you have. So I am a documented Canadian yeah, and documented yeah. Hungarian. So I do. I and I'm very very proud of my heritage, and I'm very proud to be Hungarian and Canadian. But moving around so much, it's like where do I see myself? Like you know, like do I see myself as Kuwaiti? I mean, I live there, but nah, I don't see myself as Kuwaiti, nah. Um, Do I see myself as a Bangladeshi? No, even though I live there and I can speak some Bengali, I do not really consider myself to be a Bangladeshi because I have no family there. You know, if you have family in a country, it makes it really, really easy for you because it's like, okay, you know, my grandparents live there or my uncle or my my aunts live there or whatever. It's really, really common in Bangladesh too with a lot of my friends, um, especially like some of them that were born in Canada and got citizenship in Canada. So usually Mm -hmm. what happens is like the rich, rich, the richest of the rich in the country travel to Canada, the States or England or the United Kingdom. And then they give birth to their child there. Of course, And then the child gets automatic citizenship for being there. And if the parents have lived in that country for a certain period of time, they also get citizenship. So let's say if, like, you know, a war breaks out or terror in Bangladesh, for example, they can always just hop on a plane and bounce back over there, you know, and they'll have no problem. But this is the privilege of the richest, as you said. And um, Bangladesh, Mm -hmm. as we know, is one of the poorest, as you said, Mm -hmm. one of the poorest places in the world. So um, I think it's a bit unfair that some people have so many... Oh, it's severely unfair. It's severely uh, unfair. And it would be like when I was going around in villages in Bangladesh too, and you know, I'm, I'm white myself (laughs) and many of the people there don't get to see outsiders at all. They just see local Bangladeshis there. That's it. And I remember going through a village and there was like kids chasing me on a, on my bike when I was biking around, Uh they were just like, hi, 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 hi. And they were just chasing it. They were running after me. And it was interesting because they never saw a white person before. And it's so sweet. It was sweet. It was really, really sweet. And I think it was like a cultural shock for them too. It's like, okay, there's not only Bangladeshis in the world, right? It's yeah. not only just like this village that exists. It's like Probably it's the only possibility oh, they meet a foreigner. Yeah, yeah. And especially with traveling around Bangladesh sometimes and going on field trips with my class. Um, you know, we got to see a lot of Bangladesh too. And we got to see some disturbing sides of it, some disgusting sides of it. Because even though... Dhaka is city of 25 million people. Wow. 25 million people living in this very, very densely populated capital city. Things seem to work there. I mean, <laughs> we don't know how it works. Well, I, I, I certainly don't know how it works. But somehow things get working there, even despite the huge population. And I mean, it all comes down in Bangladesh to how much money you got in your pocket or how much money you got in your bank. I mean, without money, you will get nowhere mm-hmm. in life, really. Um, but unfortunately for the majority of the population, they can't feed themselves. They can't send their kids to school. They have to marry their daughters off to grown men because it's one less mouth to feed in the house. And I'm seeing and I was always watching documentaries about, you know, um, you know, like there's huge brothels in Bangladesh where it's like just sex slavery. And, you know, teenagers are kidnapped and in dock and then brought to these brothels just so people can make money. Um, it really makes you appreciate life so much and what you have. Like, you know, with the two of us, it's like we have family, we have food on the table, we have some, we have money, we have opportunities in a first world country like Hungary. Yeah, sure. Exactly. And then it just becomes so sad that to learn that many, many people, especially in third world countries, this is something that they can only dream about. I mean, having an education and going to a school where you can get a diploma and get into a good university and make good money, it's its something that a lot of parents there push their kids on. I mean, especially with, in, in my house, mm-hmm. in, when I was living in Bangladesh, I had two maids in the house. So one was cleaning and one was cooking. I miss, I miss her cooking so much. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. But with them, they're hard workers 
and we respect them. We give them bonuses. And I think they were like the most bonus filled people in the entire apartment <laughs> that we had that was just filled with teachers. And yes, there was some competition going on. Like, okay, like, why are you getting more money than I am? Even though we're doing the same job kind of thing with other people. But it's true. Like the more money you give them and the respect that you show, the service you're going to get in the end is absolutely phenomenal. Like they were so nice to us. They were, they cleaned the house. I guarantee you, I could drop my food on the floor and eat it and I would, and it would be clean like, like a plate. <laughs> they did it that well. And I had the same thing in, in Kuwait too. And in Kuwait, almost 70% of the population in Kuwait are expats. Oh, right. Yeah. So 70%. 70% of the population are expats in Kuwait. So it's interesting that means that 70% of the population must face uh, some, I don't know. Discrimination. Discrimination from, yeah. or hatred. It means that oh. the most of them oh. like uh, experience the same unpleasant moments as you just described mm-hmm. about the nationality and feeling frustration about not being included into society and that you're just like left out and it's just oh, yeah 100% I mean in Kuwait the maids that usually come in are from the Philippines India Bangladesh Pakistan and all these other countries usually around Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and many of my friends when I would go over to their house they would have a big huge villa huge mansion and they would have I think one of them I went to they had almost 15 maids in the house wow. so it was like Such one luxury i mean life. with some of them it is but with others it's it's hell why because the kuwaitis look down on these people as like you know they don't have the money like us they're they kind of treat them like animals and in kuwait there was a lot of videos being surfaced around on kuwaiti social media about you know to the point where the maids would be treated so badly that they would dangle themselves out the windows And then the owner would get then then the then the homeowner would get the camera out and record it. And I saw a video of an Ethiopian maid who was dangling from the window trying to escape the owner. And then, you know, the owner was screaming at her. And then, like, she dangled herself out the window and was screaming, "Help me!" because she couldn't get back in. And then the owner of the house filmed it, and the lady fell from a five-story apartment, and she survived miraculously because she landed on the plastic roof, and then she just banged on it, but she was severely injured, and that really really touched me too because it's like i cannot i i don't think i could even live with myself for treating another human like that this person has come out of their way probably left their kids behind in the country where they are trying to earn a living and this is the treatment that that you give them and it's disgusting and it's a clear representation on racism too in, in the middle east too not everyone in kuwait is racist mm-hmm. many of them have maids and they treat them extremely nicely give them bonuses and you know they stick with the family but others are not so fortunate i mean there's others that are just like so you know despicable i would say so despicable in their actions and it, I, that's I, terrible it's absolutely like it's everything. absolutely horrendous and i find it absolutely disgusting that that you would treat another human being like this over because you yeah. think that if you have money you can buy the world you, I mean, with them, they can. With them, they can. Um, so I think one of my friends also leaked his information to me on how much his net worth is. And it's triple digits in the billions. They have wow. that much in the bank. It's insane how much money the, the royal family of Kuwait has. I mean, my friends would be coming to school. They would have their phone in their hand like this. They'd be like, oh, okay, well, let's take a Snapchat. They drop it, smashes on the phone, on, on the ground. And they're just like, okay. It's fine. Brand new phone, brand new phone on the ground, broken. And then the next day they have a new one that's even better than the one that they had before. And I remember one of my friends, really, really rich kid, and he broke his phone. (laughs) The next day he came in with a Nokia. (laughs) Yeah. And as soon as he saw that, it was like he just he he just smashed on the floor. Like and I was like, jeez, you broke your phone over to Nokia. And he's like, that's not the phone I wanted. I'm just like, that's what, that's the phone that you have. And he's like, that's not what I want. These kids are just so, you know, spoiled too. It's like they have everything that they want. They have all the luxury. They have all the clothes that they want, yeah, like the yeah, Gucci sure. and Dolce and Gobana and all these other things. And they're just like, they're dripping. <laughs> they're dripping in merch too. And like a lot of them just have like all kinds of crazy stuff too. And You know, with me, I was always the poor kid in the class, too, because I did not have the fancy cars. I did not have all this stuff, but I was happy the way I was. And, you know, I've seen the world that, you know, many of these other people haven't seen. And, (laughs) you know, it was it's it's fascinating too, um, living in two countries that are different. So it was it was interesting when we told 
my friends that I was moving to Bangladesh and they're just like, isn't that where the cleaners and the maids are from? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going there. Right and, I, there. and I'm going, and I'm going there and she, and they're just like, Oh God, man, you're going to die. And I'm like, <laughs> I might, but you know, it's worth it. It's worth a shot. And in Bangladesh, there's a whole lot of disease too. Yeah, um, okay. I know a few of my friends who've had the dengue fever, which mm. is spread by mosquitoes. Cause if this studio was in, was in Bangladesh and if that window was left open for more than five minutes, I don't think you would be able to see the light. Cause really? be, yeah, the mosquitoes are so all just bad. like, go on it and just go all over it. It would, it would be just, dis- and it is disgusting too. And I did not know, but when I was in, when I was in Bangladesh for the first night, I accidentally left my balcony door open a little bit. And the next morning, my, my entire hand, I, I looked like I had a, like some kind of disease. I was so bumpy everywhere. My face was swollen wow, just from these mosquito so bites. And my parents were 100, were freaked out because they didn't know if one of these mosquitoes had the dengue fever and I could get sick and I will be put in the hospital. Thankfully for us too, we we had a connection with like the best hospital in the country. Out of 175 million people, we had the best hospital mm-hmm. um, and healthcare in the country. And I only went there a few times because, you know, just you normal know, flu and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just said to myself like, man, this is what money can get you in the world and, and what being a foreigner is like in different countries. And it it also saddens me to know that, you know, this life is so privileged, too. It really matters, like, which womb you come out of, really. It's like, but you have to feel somewhat sorry for the people who do not have these opportunities, like you and I have to travel the world and see the world and make connections with international friends. To have choice. To, To have a choice. To have a choice to travel around and go to different places around the world. It's, whew, it's, it's mind boggling, too, that, you know, I've been to almost 50 countries around the world and wow yeah it's it's interesting too because it's like with every country there's a story i can tell about it and if i was going to tell a story to all you dear listeners buckle up because we're going to be here for a couple hours talking about it (laughs) and i don't think you really want to listen to me blab on about all these different countries and all this stuff because it would be way too time demanding (laughs) like what was the best experience like traveling experience maybe the most unique experience that you've ever had traveling to another country um, i'm not talking specifically about kuwait or bangladesh but in general in the world on yeah. this earth yeah um i would definitely say the most interesting country i've ever been to is a continent too and that's australia <laughs> and i think the one thing that really really resonated with me with australia is that it's in the southern hemisphere too so we were there in december and normally december is december disgusting and you know just <laughs> rainy and snowy and but all. it's christmas time in but, it, but it's christmas time but down but down under it was summer so all the kids were off from school all the beaches were packed and it's like christmas and new year in the summer okay the christmas thing i don't quite understand that why would you want to have christmas in a country where it doesn't even snow <laughs> i mean i can i can't say much about kuwait because never snows there <laughs> um but it's interesting that, that that it was like almost 50 degrees outside and it was Christmas time. Well, up where I was living in Canada, it was like minus 20. Yeah, exactly. So, this is oh, God. Really was, cold. It can be oh, it can really be, harsh. It can, it can kill you, really. I mean, I know friends that, you know, have had some uh, family members that probably that died of frostbite, too, because sometimes they go out drunk and they have a good, yeah, and they have a good time and then they come home and then they just fall face first into a, into a snowbank and their hands go in it. And then the next morning, it's like their hands have rotted off. It's and just for Russia happens yeah, a couple, yeah, couple because, times. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen here because we don't really get that much snow. Yeah. I mean, it's it can snow, but not as much as Canada or the US or especially in Russia or northern parts of Europe and Scandinavia. Yeah, I can compare. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, have you ever been to South America? Um, unfortunately, I've not been to South America. But um, do you, have you already chosen a destination from, from the list uh, of the... South American countries. Like, I personally would really love to go to Brazil and Argentina, mm. maybe to Peru as well, yeah, yeah. Machu Picchu and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think, I think I would love to be able to visit South America. But the one thing I really don't like about South America is the corruption and the whole crisis that they're having down there with, well, you know. It's not, you know, the most, the safest it's place not, it's in not the, the world. Sa- it's not the safest, definitely not the safest region in the world. I would not like to go to, let's say, Venezuela because, ooh, I mean, the whole situation that's yeah. going down there, it's 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 so depressing. And the inflation and the currency and all this stuff just makes it not a really good place to go. Uh, I've heard like a couple of years ago when the whole crisis and that situation happened in Venezuela that 
the airlines didn't have papers to print the tickets, and people got their tickets like the you know leaves, yeah. leaves instead of the tickets. Yeah. It's like so bad it was oh completely. God. It was it was complete and utter shambles. And even now, it's like I was watching a a YouTuber who travels the world too, and this is where I usually get like some of my information from everywhere around the world mm -hmm. too. It's, um, his name is Drew Binsky, and he travels the world. He's American. He's been to almost every single country on the planet. Wow, cool. That's my dream. Yeah, I mean, I would I would assume that it's really, really like I think you need a really, really big wallet for that to yeah, travel around for sure. the world. That's and, why it's still my you dream. You know, the bribery, <laughs> the corruption, and then the visas and everything like that. I mean, I think I'm thankful as a Hungarian citizen to have such a powerful passport in the EU too. I mean, you, I mean, the Russians have pretty good passports well, too. Well, I would put a question mark here, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's it it's all not depends. That bad, you know? No, no, it's not bad. Even though Russia's not a part of the European Union, um, and some other countries are not a part of the European Union, but I think that makes it important too to be like a member of the EU, especially for me yeah, traveling sure. so much because so you know you can travel like with Austria. It's like you can just travel right in. There's no border patrol at all. Nothing, nothing really tests. Nothing, especially during COVID. Um, there's really nothing going on at the borders. But if you go to the Ukraine, for example, or even uh, Romania or Serbia and all these other countries, they have very, very rigorous time demanding things there that, that you have to fill out or you have to do just to get into that country. Yeah. But with the help of the Schengen region and, you know, the EU free travel, almost like zero, zero visas needed or any, all this stuff, you can get where you want to get to very, very easily. Coming back to your so negative experience that mm -hmm. all the you know unpleasant situations that you had in the past uh, linked to uh, your staying in uh, Kuwait or Bangladesh. Many people think that when you come to another country, you're always in a good mood, that you like everything, mm -hmm. yeah. and that this is the normal state of your mind, that you're you know, spreading that positive vibes, sharing that, hey, guys, look, I'm here, mm -hmm. everything is fine, yeah. new culture, and uh, that you like the new, your new home. But what helped you to overcome the cultural shock? What was that thing that probably saved you your day from bad thoughts or depressive moods and so on? Goodness gracious, I can talk about this a lot. <laughs> but to put it really, really down simple, and especially for you, and I'm looking out for my dear listeners too, is the most important thing is just to find some friends that have been through the same situation as you. I mean, in Kuwait and Bangladesh, I've had foreign friends there from all around the world. And, you know, we would come together and share our experiences and, you know, try to help each other out. And I think that was the most important thing is just to have friends and even local friends to help you out and, you know, guide you mm -hmm. throughout all this stuff. Because when I first got there, I had no idea about Kuwait. I didn't know Arabic at all. And, you know, they would help me out. And the, my local friends would also help me out. And, you know, they'd be like, okay, we cannot have any pork products or no alcohol in yeah. Kuwait. Um And they would tell me these things and I would, you know, think about it and like, okay, I mean, this is interesting for me, but I'm going to go along with it because this is where I'm going to be living. But I think the most important thing that helped me overcome cultural shock, especially is just to have local friends and, and experience and researching it, watching YouTube videos or doing my own research on Google, like how to come over cultural shock <laughs> <laughs> and all this stuff. But I think the most important was just having friends that would help you around and just get you through it and i mean if you're having a bad day your friends will be there to help you and i think that was the most important thing was just to have local friends with me to help guide the way almost for what i was going through it's interesting because once i read the recommendations how to overcome and deal with cultural shock and the article said start cooking the food that you used to cook in your country or that you used to eat mm. in your homeland And start, you know, surround yourself with your homeland stuff. Like, uh, for me, it would be Russian television, radio, Russian music. Uh, so that I have this feeling that I'm in the, you know, known, well-known mm -hmm. for me yeah. country. And that builds up a bit of, you know illusion that you're in Russia and calms you down. Yeah, so it's like you have your own piece of home within your home in a different country. So you don't really feel like you're you're gone yeah. almost. Yeah, and I think that helped me with it. I think that really helped with cultural shock too, but 
it also make me sad. Aww. It'd be like, oh God, I wish I can have some turtle capostot right now, or maybe a little bit of a shot of palinka, or these other things, you know. <laughs> and you know, but sometimes I would really get upset, you know, be like, okay, I don't know why I'm not there right now. I'd love to go to Tesco and have some ice cream there, go to the Nirakaza Zoo and just walk oh, around yeah, there. It's just amazing. Oh man, and go walking down downtown in Nirakaza and all these other things, and it would really, really get me. To the point where even in class, I would be sitting there and I would just daydream. Like I would, I would be completely out of touch with reality. And it would just be like almost like a VR simulation. You oh, just wow. walk through your memories. <laughs> it's fascinating that, you know, being away from something that you love and something you grew up with and something that you feel safe with, it can really, really change your whole perspective of life too. Because it's like when you feel safe somewhere and when you feel like you belong somewhere, it just makes the whole entire experience of whatever you're going through just feel so much better. I mean, in Bangladesh, I was not happy there because I didn't really have the comforts that I did. Really? In Kuwait, yeah. There's no Starbucks. There's no McDonald's. Oh, okay. There's no K. Well, there is a KFC and there's a Burger King, but that's really much it. Um, but it just, I missed those kind of things that just made me feel like, okay, I'm back in Canada or I'm in Hungary or these other things. But when I didn't have it, I felt like I'm in the middle of nowhere almost, you know, it just felt really, really out of place. But I think just coming back for a vacation and just doing a reset almost helped me too. It's like, if I'm having a bad day, I call my grandparents and they talk to me. It's like, okay, it's like, I'm, I'm feeling more at home right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the main thing that really helped me um, with cultural shock was just finding local friends and talking to my parents or my siblings or watching YouTube videos of people that went through the same situation that I did. And I eventually overcame it and not that long. It was pretty quick, especially when I was younger. So, you know, you just adjust to it more and more. It does. It's not as hard as it would be if I was this age and then moving there because it's yeah. like you've grown up and, you know, you can make these decisions. And then when these decisions are made for you, you kind of want to rebel. You kind of want to <laughs> sure. rebel to it. Well, it's interesting that you say. I think for me, I can personally conclude that the most valuable resource on this planet is a human being, like a yeah. person that yeah. you can always have that, you know, soulmate you can talk to and uh, relief to get that relief. So it's great. Mm -hmm. And how old were you when you moved to Kuwait? I was eight years old when I moved to Kuwait. Oh, really small. Yeah, I was really small. And unfortunately, I do not remember Canada as much as I would like to. Um, even though I did live there for eight years, I still really don't remember it because I was young when I left. Um, but I do know that, you know, I went to a public school in Canada. I had a great kindergarten, preschool, and then first and second grade. So at least I got that education portion yeah. sorted. Um, but then moving from a public school system and into an international school system was a huge adjustment because there's so much more you have to do with the with the IB program, which is what I had in both schools. But it was just so hard to get used to just moving from one education system to another. I think that was like the hardest thing to overcome when I was doing these kind of things. And how long have you been living there? I lived in Kuwait from 2013 until 2017. So I was living there for almost four years, um, well, four school years. I did really enjoy my time in Kuwait. I mean, there was some times where it would just be like, I would really like to pack up my bags and leave yeah. this place for good and not even look back at it. Then it'd be like, I just lost a chance to have a lifelong experience there. So it always it always dawned on me that, you know, you have to just go along with it. You have to stick with it because if you just give up, what are you going to do with everything else? You're like, just going to give up point? on everything else. Yeah, what's the point? You just wasted your time. Um, but overall, I think living in these two countries, Kuwait and Bangladesh, for almost the same amount of time for three to four years, it just opens your mind to everything else. And whew, have I had an amazing time just traveling around. But You always have to have a home base. That's what I always discuss with my parents. You have to have a home base where if things go down and, and wherever you are, mm -hmm. you can always just come home. And right now, home is here. So, like, at least you have a place to call home, right? Oh, precisely, yeah. Edish Oton, they say in... Yep, sweet home. Okay, yep. really beautiful. I like it. Yeah, Edish <laughs> Oton. Well, in, it's also interesting in Hungarian, too. It's like with other people, it's like with me, it's so weird to hear English around here in the Casa. It's like I'm just so not used to hearing English at all. It's like when I do hear English, it's like, whoa, 
what the hell? <laughs> what just <laughs> happened there? It's like, oh, these people were speaking English. But I think it's interesting that, you know, moving from place to place, you just kind of get used to, you know, not everyone will speak English to you. Um, but then you kind of learn a little bit of the local language, but not so much to the point where you're fluent. But, you know, some people do take it that way and they put their hard work and hard time into learning this language, then they could speak with the locals. They can freak out the locals. They can do whatever <laughs> they want, really. But I was not like that. I mean, with English, it was important to have in Kuwait, and it wasn't important to learn Arabic because everyone spoke English in Kuwait. So, yeah, this is the question that uh, I had on my mind. Did you have any troubles due to the language barriers? Or maybe you had funny situations. Oh, like... I've had a lot of funny situations <laughs> with just, you know, messing up things yeah, or yeah, saying a wrong thing. thing. Or when I was little, it would be like I was learning Arabic in, in school. And then I remember one of my friends were just talking to each other. And then I just started joining in. And then I was just saying all kinds of random stupid stuff. And then they just started bawling their eyes out because it's like, what the heck? The Canadian guy is the Canadian dude is now speaking to us in our language. What is this? And the same thing happened in Bangladesh too. It's like when I would be doing an Instagram live or talking to someone and just using Bangla with them, they would sometimes they would just disconnect because they would be freaked out. They did not know what to do. Wow! But it was it was fun just to you know mess around with the locals a bit and use their language against them. And it's like oh, the Canadian dude is speaking our language to us, <laughs> which is always funny to just freak people out when you're speaking their language. So how good are you at Arabic? I would say my Arabic is as good as my ballerina. It's 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 garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I cannot do ballet. I cannot do ballet, and I cannot speak Arabic at all. <laughs> but okay, but you said you you attended some Arabic. I did. I did attend some classes there, but I'm just gonna be real down to earth right now. That Arabic class was nothing really. The teacher was trash. <laughs> all the teachers I had there were trash. Um, they did not help at all. They were just they were just there as supervisors. Mm. Yeah, they were just supervising of. us. It was daycare, and I think for the I think I was in grade four or five. It was like the teacher just got so fed up. She was just like, "Okay, I'm just gonna put on Bill Nye the Science Guy, and you just watch this, and I'm just gonna be on my phone." <laughs> and she did nothing. I mean, she taught us literally nothing in Arabic at all. And then I would just you know, bring my laptop in and just use it and just watch YouTube videos in the class and the teacher wouldn't care. And I even have like a 20 minute long video on my phone where <laughs> I just have my phone propped up on my on my laptop and the teacher didn't see it. And you could just see like everyone else in the classroom had their phone on laptop or just sleeping in the class or whatever while the teacher's just there, just, just looking like he's going to doze off himself. <laughs> it was hilarious to say the least. Here? Yeah, oh, okay. good question. <laughs> and I and I asked myself that question a lot. Why am I still here in this class if I'm doing nothing? And I used to hide under the teacher's desk too. Really? Because the teacher didn't know I was there. So on the last day of school, and it was like the bell rang, I grabbed his legs and I yanked on them. And he was like, ah, and then he saw me and then I just bolted out the door. <laughs> but I wasn't a class clown. I'm just going to put it that way. I was not a class clown. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I was a little bit of a class clown, but not to the point where it was like, shut up, you're annoying. <laughs> so you're not that shy person, as I can see. No, I mean, I am shy when it comes to, you know, meeting new people sometimes, um, It's kind of hard to make friends, especially with moving around so much. But, you know, I'm friendly. I like to start a conversation with you, you know, get to know all these other things. But I think down to earth, it's more about just like, what's the connection that we like, where are things that we have in common? But with me, I don't have a lot of things in common with other people. Most people are into video games and, you know, sports or whatever. I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm into radio, coding and programming and, you know, all these other stuff, music production and not not much That's anything so cool. else. Yeah. And it's hard to find people with those same attributes and whatever. But my mom always said, like, you have to find someone that has like a niche like you because you have a niche. And a niche is basically just like something that like is really personal to you, like um, attribute that defines you as a person. But it's hard to find people like this in the world, especially like if you're if you don't play video games or you don't play sports or you don't do this or blah, 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 blah. It's hard to find people that have the same interest as you. And it's understandable, but it, it does. It, it is a bit difficult. I, I, I'm it not makes you unique. It does right. make you unique. I would definitely say that it does make you unique. But I, I don't even know what makes you more unique, your name or your interests <laughs> or your experience. I'm just like, OK, OK, hmm. it's difficult to. Uh, pick one thing. Yeah, and people usually say, like, I'm one of the weirdest, most, like, the oddest, weirdest person they've ever met in their life. Because it's like, 
okay, because you never expected like no, no, and and that's what a lot of people say. It's like when I first went to school here in Hungary, it was like, well, I'm the first non-Hungarian speaker to go to that school in almost thirty years when they had the exchange program, and they were so confused to do what to do with me. And then, but since I had a real passion to learn Hungarian and and talk to friends, I picked it up really in no time. And then they thought it was so weird that you know, you're a Canadian Hungarian, you traveled around the world, yeah. you come here, yeah, and you go to school here. They, they 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 couldn't wrap their head around it. They really did not understand my whole purpose of doing this. But what was your purpose? Oh, my purpose was to learn Hungarian and make friends here. And yeah, just isn't it that obvious? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> this is what probably uh, an average Hungarian teenager doesn't dream about. That's why no, they no, not at ask and wonder how is it possible that for somebody it's like I wouldn't say hell. No, I mean somebody. I think I've heard that opinion that a lot of Hungarian youngsters strive mm-hmm. to leave the country. You know, for yeah. Germany or for yeah, they want to go the to USA, yeah, the USA, England. yeah, all these other places, and they don't really want to stay in Hungary. But it's not saying like every Hungarian kid wants to leave Hungary. That's not true. A lot of Hung- I mean, most of my friends they feel comfortable being here. I mean, some of them don't speak English and they don't want to learn English because it's like, why should I learn English if I'm just going to be staying here in Hungary and probably taking over? The dad's business or doing all this other you weird stuff. You never know what you never know happens in your life. Exactly. You it's know. like I had no idea that I would be born in Canada, lived in Canada for eight years, thought I was going to live there and graduate and be there until the day I die to now travel to over 50 countries, lived in four, almost going to live in five. And then, you know, travel around the world and then come here in, in Hungary and then live in Hungary and never thought that was going to happen ever. But it's amazing what life can just throw at you. You never know. You can never predict anything. It's like, you know, um, I used to be a teacher, an English teacher in Russia, and um, I had this situation with a um, student mm-hmm. who was a little boy. And um, at first he didn't want to learn English because he always used to tell me, oh, you know what? I don't need English. I attend English classes because my mom wants me to do so. <laughs> and after a while I left that school or... Um, I don't remember why we lost connection, but after some years, we met together and he was playing for the regional uh, hockey team. Wow. And he said, like, you know what, I'm looking for the English teacher, for an <laughs> English teacher, because, uh, you know what, I want to be a hockey player somewhere in Canada or in the US. Wow. And I want people to understand me or, um, you know, when reporters or journalists will ask me in English yeah. I would mm. I want to be able to answer those questions and mm. it was so funny but really you know encouraging at the moment because yeah. uh, the person really found his motivation and I'm just wow good job like exactly it's like you I think it comes down to the point it's like especially when you're young it's like okay why do I need to do all this yeah. stuff it's like oh my parents just signed me up for this I'm just gonna go along so I don't beat up when I get home <laughs> but eh, it does happen <laughs> but I think you just have to find a purpose to do it like if you're going to be traveling around the world English is I think necessary but if you're staying in one place maybe only having the local language is okay and if you're not going to interact with anyone from the outside world there then I guess there's no real purpose but You never know. You never know. You cannot just say, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to need this in my life. I am perfectly fine just the way I am. You can't really come to that conclusion without, you know, going through more stuff in your life. It's You cannot just stay in this one, you know, mindset that, no, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be doing that, blah, 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 blah. All this you stuff. should be flexible. This is Yeah, you have to be flexible and open-minded and not just fixed-minded and just closed-minded because if you just stay like that you're not going to do anything but if you're open-minded and you open yourself up to what's in the world it just makes your life so much easier now does it and you can meet people from around the world you can establish connections learn about the world too and i think that's one of the things that people have a big problem with it's like just not understanding enough about what's in the world um especially the older generation too it's like you know there could be some <laughs> new people on the street and then they'd be like huh new person <laughs> what is that yeah what is that why are you doing that who are you and but with the younger generation it's like okay i'm I'm used to this and i've seen this stuff before i'm open to it but you know back then it was like everything was just so conservative 
so conservative. Yeah, Hungary is a conservative oh, place. Oh, I would definitely country. say that. Yeah, For yeah, sure. I would definitely say Hungary is a bit conservative too. You know, to sum up, I would like to ask you this: Is there something you're thankful for? You know, in this life and uh, everything that happened to you, you've been through a lot, I'm sure, mm. and uh, all this that you shared, not only that glamorous um, side of all that, you know, when you watch uh, uh, vlogs about traveling, people usually show a really beautiful side of it and never the the backside of the coin, so to say. Mm-hmm, yeah. So thank you for sharing this. Is there something that we can really learn from this and uh, be thankful for this experience like living in another country i think one thing that you should be really really grateful for um is especially just appreciating what you have and appreciating your family who help you to go through all the troubles and whatever you have and the problems and you know because they're there to help you and, and get you through it but i think the f- most important thing is just to trust yourself too And just and just appreciate what you have, because not a lot of people in the world have have the opportunity to go to India or Bangladesh or Kuwait or Canada or all these other countries. You just got to really, really appreciate what you have and don't be disrespectful. Don't be ungrateful. And because if you're ungrateful and disrespectful and all these other bad attributes, you're not going to go really anywhere in life now, are you? <laughs> dead straight i mean that that's that's what it is really wise i mean yeah this is what probably from my point of view many young people need to hear because um we're living nowadays in that time when you should achieve something in life and mm-hmm. you should only set the biggest goals and you know devaluate things yeah. somehow it's um as you say even with the phone the guy who's really rich who drops the phone and then the next day has another one, it's like, I think it's waste of resources as well, you know, mm-hmm, like that yeah. attitude that, you know, I know where I can get another one, but uh, if the resources are limited, and I'm not just talking about money, but in general, you know, like everything is limited in mm-hmm. on earth. I think it's very important to remember and to remind our young listeners <laughs> <laughs> that you can have everything you wish in life if you're grateful and uh, open-minded as you said right and really appreciating the opportunities and not you know only complaining hey mom this is not the laptop i dreamed about and maybe your mom was a maid in that mm-hmm. Kuwait mm-hmm. family you know just like it's like don't complain about the color of your phone because if you're a kid and you act like that you're obviously going to drop it and break it within the first five minutes you have it so just stick with what you got because maybe if you work hard and you're respectful to your parents and you do what they ask you to do you could get a new phone that's even 10 times better than the one that you wanted <laughs> but the thing in Kuwait and, and stuff like that it's like some of them are just so ungrateful for what they have and that made me feel bad because it's like I would love to have the stuff that they have but at the end of the day i'm just happy that i have what i have to make me happy and you know i think we should just be grateful on what we have and just appreciate what life gives us so guys if you are unsatisfied with your life go to bangladesh india or mm-hmm. cambodia or maybe other poorest countries and uh, experience make some collect some experience and probably that's gonna change your life oh yeah Oh yeah. It will open up your eyes and it and it definitely opened up mine to how privileged I am to have all these experiences. But if you feel like you're upset because your mom didn't give you an extra two dollars for whatever, go to Bangladesh where they would be happy to take that two dollars and they would thank you for it. So just be a little bit more appreciative, especially younger listeners too, who are just always <laughs> angry. <laughs> We're just all angry. those teenagers. All I those know. teenagers, man. <laughs> You're never gonna satisfy them because they're always like in that mood. Eh. All right. I want that. 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 And I don't care about you. And I want that. <laughs> that's 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 the way they think. And I know because I'm a teenager. And you know, we we all act like that sometimes. <laughs> all right. I think it's time to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, I would really, really like to thank everyone here at Wushtet FM 89.6 in Nira Casa for the amazing opportunity. I would like to thank the one and only Sasha for inviting oh, thank me you. and helping me be a part of her amazing program. And 
if you're listening to this live on Mushtar FM 89.6 in Nirakaza, maybe you can help someone out who doesn't really understand our conversation and you can help them out because I think this is really important to share with a lot of people around here because many, maybe some kids in a local gymnasium are thinking about going somewhere. So maybe sharing this with them and, you know, giving them a little bit of an insider would be amazing so they can understand the world and not just be so close-minded to think, oh, everywhere else in the world is beautiful and all this stuff. You have to learn. Of course, you want to hear the pros, but you also have to hear about the cons because that will help you. To make the decision. Exactly. I mean, it'd be like, okay, so Bangladesh is amazing. You can make a lot of money and there's good house there. Okay. Those are, those are some pros. And then the cons is like, okay, you might not have the luxuries that, that you have in the West. Um, you might be harassed on the streets by homeless kids and you could die of various diseases. It's, yeah, I, I don't know what I should choose. Yeah, like, you don't know. What you, yeah, it's still hesitating. <laughs> exactly. And you have to understand yourself too. It's like, will I work? Will I fit in there? Will I feel comfortable there? And that's the most important thing if you feel comfortable there. Because if you don't feel comfortable there, things won't work out so well. But yeah, I'd like to thank Sasha again for this amazing opportunity to be on The Cultural Show. And you can always listen to the other episodes of The Cultural Show on Spotify. So check it out on there. And now we're going to sign out on Mushtar FM, Nirekaza FM 89.6. Thank you. Thank you, Shinzan, for this encouraging conversation. Really, every time we meet, I feel that, you know, energy flow that you give and those positive vibes that you uh, spread in this world, you know, like, um, I really, really appreciate that because for me, it's also a unique opportunity uh, to speak, to have a contact to people mm-hmm. like you for traveling around the world. For me, it's something really, really special. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so that's it for today. Listen to us every Friday from 10 to 12 at Mushtar FM 89.6. Sziasztok! Sziasztok! It's common to rely on oversimplified cliches about people from different cultures. Learning about differences can be useful as a starting point, but remember, individuals are unique. It was the cultural radio show on Mushtar FM 89.6. Together, we dive into a new culture every week and break the stereotypes. Every Friday from 10 to 12 with your host, Sasha Gerda. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Mushtar FM. Thanks for listening and join us next time.